And welcome to it. Good to have you back on the air with us. Feel free to join us over the next hour. John Scholes here hosting and the man with all the information and the answers. Lior Sanfiru, of course, employment lawyer, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. You can reach out now, as it was uh, just mentioned. It's true, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. Pick up that phone, be the third voice on air, ask your questions, do yourself and everybody else listening a favor when you ask those questions. Probably the same things wondered by many people, but there is answers to all of them. You just need to reach out and, uh, and talk to us again, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. Lines are open. Email we use is help at employmentlawyer.ca. I'll give you other uh, information throughout the hour how to get a hold of Lior and his team outside the hour of the show. But we'll get into it. The main topic for today is going to be all about severance package deadlines. That and a couple uh, issues to get through first, pal, with the other week that was. What do you got going on? Hey, Johnny. Great to be here, of course, on a Sunday afternoon to talk employment mm-hmm. law as usual. As, as you're wrapping up your weekend and planning for the week uh, ahead, the week of work, Maybe you're a bit uh, apprehensive or hesitant because you didn't have a great week last week and your boss said something or did something and you're wondering what to do about it this week or should you do or should you say something and to who and what are your rights even in this whole situation? Well, if that's something that sounds familiar, you have a great opportunity to solve this issue right now once and for all and get the answers just by calling the show. If you've always wondered something about your employment law rights, if you've always wondered whether your boss is allowed to do something or maybe you're actually not getting prepared to go back to work tomorrow because maybe you lost your job. Well, then it's extremely important that we talk right now so that you can understand what your rights are. You have a lot more robust rights than you realize. We have very good laws across this province, really across the country. So if you are listening right now, you have that opportunity to get those issues solved and maybe make a phone call to your friends and say, hey, you know that issue you told me about on uh, your job? Well, you can call the show right now. Lior and John will tell you what you need to know. And of course, we'll also give you something else. We'll keep giving you my contact information at the office if you want to connect with me that way and have a private chat. But let's get to it. A couple situations that came across my desk this week. First one, I got a call from uh, a, a gentleman who found out one day that uh, the company he was working for, their offices that they were renting, uh, they got kicked out by the landlord. Apparently, the company wasn't paying its rent. Uh, and uh, so they got kicked out. They no longer had offices. So a company said, well, we're, we're going to work on this. We're going to find some new space. But in the meantime, until that gets resolved, we need you and all employees to work from home, work remotely. Now, this person hadn't worked remotely before always worked in the office didn't really want to work remotely didn't have the the proper setup and and you know the proper arrangements so really he when he called me he wanted to know can my employer make me and what happens if i don't work remotely mm-hmm. so a very important question you may find something like that may happens to you at some point well here's the answer obviously if you work in the office and your employer wants you to now change that and work from home that's a significant change that's a big deal it's a significant change to the terms of employment So anytime we hear those words, significant change, we should be concerned. We should think constructive dismissal. To make a change like that, to tell you now you have to work from home when you used to always work in the office, absolutely can give rise to a constructive dismissal. That means that this person can choose, if he wants, to consider his employment as being terminated and get severance. And frankly, with a company that can't pay its rent, I may not want to stay there too much longer. I don't know if they're going to go bankrupt or if they're going to be able to pay other bills. You may want to just leave, get severance, and move on right now. But be that as it may, if your boss 
changes how you work. Maybe you work at, at in the office, now they want you to work from home. Maybe you work at home, now they want you to work in the office. Not something your employer can necessarily do in most cases. It could be a constructive dismissal, you have those rights. If that sounds familiar to you, give me a call and let's chat about it. Different situation uh, coming out of the pandemic where workplaces were forced to have you work at home, right? Absolutely. If your employer has no choice but to have you work remotely because they're not allowed to have you in the office. A lot of businesses couldn't have you in the office or they were very limited because of various government mandates during the pandemic. That's different. And certainly that pandemic was a very unique point in time where employers got a bit more leeway when it comes to those things. But in the normal circumstances, yeah, absolutely. To change someone from at home to the office or from the office to work at home, a big deal and not something an employer is allowed to do. Can an employee kind of, you know, give it a shot, take it for a spin before it's solidified to see if it works for them? Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things I told that person that called me. I said, listen, if you want to try this for a couple of weeks and and see if it's as bad as you think it's going to be, that's fine. But send an email, send a text message to your employer, say, hey, employer, I'm very concerned about being able to work from home, but I'm going to try it for a couple of weeks and then we'll see where, where I'm at. So he tries it then for a couple of weeks. If he's happy with it, fine, no problem. He continues working. If he's still not happy, if he's as, as bad as he thought, he can then consider his employment as being terminated. He still has that opportunity. So yeah, you can try it for a short period of time, but make sure in writing you tell your employer that that's what you're doing. Again, guys, lots of time to call into the show here this afternoon. Talk to us with your concerns. Have a chat, one 9898 toll free. What's the uh, second matter you want to talk about, pal? Another gentleman called me. Uh, he was very, very right to make this call. What happened with him, he's been working with the same company since 2017. And casually, uh, the HR manager kind of walked into his office a few days back and said, well, you know what? We just realized we never had you sign a proper employment agreement. So no big deal. Here's the employment agreement. Take a look. It's all standard stuff. Just go ahead and sign this uh, and just give it to us so we have it on file. So this person did the right thing and said, well, give me a couple of days to review it and I'll get back to you. Well, he didn't just review it. He sent me a copy. He wanted me to, to tell him, is this okay to sign? Now, we've said this before on the show. Anytime your employer, you're an existing employee and your employer wants you to sign a new employment agreement, mm-hmm. be very concerned. Be very worried. Why? Because it's not good news. That employment agreement is good for the employer, not the employee. You're better off with no employment agreement at all if you're an employee. Well, let's kind of bring it back to this particular situation. So this person sent me the employment agreement. What did I find there when I reviewed it? Number one, it had a term that allowed the company to change his job duties, to change his hours of work and even his compensation at any time. It had a term, John, that allowed the company to put him on a temporary layoff at any time. By the way, both those things are things that an employer is not allowed to do unless you give them that right, unless you sign something that gives them that right. So his employer doesn't have a right to change his pay. Well, he just, if he signed it, he gives it to them. His employer does not have a right to put him on a temporary layoff. Well, if he signs it, then he gives him that right. It also, John, had a term that limited his future severance cost him would cost him tens of thousands of dollars it also had a non-compete in there so it was all bad news across the board had he signed this would have cost him a lot of money would have cost him a lot of problems he would have given up all his legal rights so i showed that to him i explained that to him and he told his employer sorry i'm not comfortable with this i'm not signing my 
guesses his employer is going to back off because there's really nothing that they can do here. But it's an important reminder, an extremely important reminder. If your employer walks in, wants you to sign a new employment agreement, it's never good news. It's always a big deal. If you're not sure what it does, what it means, send me a copy and let's discuss it. For this person, man oh man, was he relieved that he did that. So please don't make that huge mistake of signing that employment agreement and then realizing that you gave up all your rights. When does that generally happen? When a uh, you know a new uh, new owner comes in and takes over, or when they get some advice from a lawyer saying, "Oh, you haven't got agreements. What's wrong with you? You're you're, you're swinging in the wind." Yeah, oftentimes it's a situation where uh, maybe a new HR manager comes in and takes a look at stuff, or maybe they consult with a lawyer, and the lawyer says, "Hey, you really should get an employment agreement for this employee because it can save you a lot of money." Or it may be in a, even in a situation where a company is thinking, you know what, we may need to let go of this person at some point in the next year. Uh, it's going to cost us a lot of money. Well, I know how to save a bunch of money. Let's have them sign an employment agreement now, and then a year from now when we let them go, we're going to be able to rely on that agreement and save a lot of money. So it's never good news for the employee. Now, if we put a different hat on, John, and we think about it from the perspective of the employer, sure. For an mm. employer, they should yep. always have a properly drafted, comprehensive employment agreement. Absolutely. But for the employee, the last thing they want to see is that 10-page employment agreement. Yeah, it's scary, too, because employees will see that you know, if they're working go, oh, this gives me some security. Thank God I finally got an agreement to sign. They don't know, right? That's why, you want to, that's why we do it on this show because most people see They, they don't know. They may, yeah. they may see that as a good thing. Well, it just reassures me, gives me rights. Yes. It doesn't give you rights. It takes away rights. So I know it sounds counterintuitive, but you don't want a written employment agreement. Handshake is better. Find that back of a napkin. Write something down. That's even better. No 10-page employment agreements. Yep, that is the way to do it. Pick up that phone and call us toll-free, 1-877-399-9898, or you can email us, help at employmentlawyer.ca. When we are done this fine show every hour of this week, you can uh, reach out to Lior. There's a good place, a website I'll give you off the top. So useful as well. It's called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It was designed to educate you all about what we talk about in the show every week. You'll also have access to something we call, if you haven't used this already, called the Severance Calculator. It does exactly what it's designed to do. Over, uh, well, millions of Canadians have used this thing since uh, Lior put it together a few years ago. And that, uh, again, can be found at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. But phone lines are open, so let's uh, let's have at her. one 877 98 98 is how you call it. Okay, severance package deadlines. Hopefully, none of us get to see one of these in our working lifetime, but chances are we're going to. I've seen a couple. Um, how is a typical severance offer generally structured, Lior? What do you think? Well, we're going to try, uh, you know, in, in these next few minutes to, to kind of take the stress out that you might feel if and when you see a severance offer that always has that deadline. And, you know, a good place to start is to kind of understand. How that severance letter, you know, that, that, that termination letter, the piece of paper you get when you're let go, what does that look like? What can you expect to see in it? So generally, you're going to expect to see three things. Number one, first thing is the company saying that they're going to let you go. That section could be short or could be a bit longer. Sometime, oftentimes, it's not going to even say why. They're not required to say why they're letting you go. It may. It may get into the reasons, whether it's performance reasons, whether it's business reasons, restructuring, what have you. So we're letting you go. Maybe here's why. 
Then number two is what the company is uh, willing to offer you in the event that you accept their severance offer, how many weeks pay or months pay, and then uh, all the elements that they're going to offer you. And usually it would include what happens to your salary and to your benefits and to your bonus. And finally, the third portion is here's what you need to do to accept this offer. It's going to contain uh, a release document that you have to sign to accept their offer. And of course, that's going to come with a deadline. So to accept this, you have to do this, and you have to do it by Friday at 5 or Monday at 5 or whatever the deadline is. And it's that aspect of it, that last part, that deadline, that is the biggest problem and that, that, that causes the biggest stress for individuals, which is what we want to focus on right now. So you don't know that the severance has those three elements, uh, the termination, the offer, and the acceptance portion of that offer with the deadline. And we're going to focus on that so that you know what to do and you know what it means if that ever happens to you. Yeah, again, you, I mean, you just mentioned it. It's, it's a big stressor at the bottom of that severance letter. So should, should they be concerned about that deadline at the severance offer? Because they all have one. So that deadline is meant to make you think that you may have something to lose, that you will have something to lose if you don't accept it. It's there as a pressure tactic. No more, no less. And you do not need to stress over it. You don't even need to pay attention to it. And the reason for that, of course, is that your legal rights don't expire on that deadline. In fact, your legal rights don't expire for two whole years. That deadline is meaningless. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. You can take the time that you need to decide uh, what you need to do to evaluate what you need to do. Uh, and to uh, to go back, get back to your employer. That they don't get to decide when your legal rights expire. And keep in mind, this is made worse by the fact that in the vast majority, almost every case, whatever that offer is, so that that second part of the severance offer, is actually not a good offer. Is less than what you're actually owed. And the company's counting on the fact that wait, this is going to be a very stressful, uh, stressful situation for you, right? You just lost your job. You're worried about paying bills. So we're going to look like we're making you an offer, but if we put that deadline, man, oh man, are you going to be stressed and you're going to really want to accept it by that deadline because, uh, because of that, that vulnerable situation you're in. So now you know better. You know that it's a pressure deadline, that it means nothing, and you don't lose anything if you don't sign that by the deadline. How much time do they usually give you? Generally, what do you think? So usually uh, it would be roughly about a week or five business days. Sometimes, you know, I've seen as little as one day and I've seen as much as two weeks. Usually kind of one week is standard and oftentimes uh, terminations happen on a Friday. Not always, but often they happen on a Friday. So you may have to the following Friday. And John, if a lot of severance deadlines are kind of Friday afternoon, you can imagine that I get a very a lot of nervous calls on Friday morning. Saying, Leo, yeah. we need to talk immediately, please, please, because my severance package is expiring later today. I really got to talk to you. Uh, help me out. And what I tell these people is what I'm going to tell you guys right now is don't worry about it. Your legal rights don't expire today or whatever the deadline is. Let's take whatever time we need to. So I'm saying that to you as well. Don't worry about that severance deadline. Don't worry about that pressure tactic. Your legal rights don't just expire.
Again, lots of time to call in here and join us with questions about uh, deadline, uh, severance offers, anything, as a matter of fact, as it has to do with your job. It's one 399 toll free, of course. So you got to think about all this. I mean, you just dismantled the entire you know deadline at the bottom of the severance offer and chopped it up. So why do bother, employers bother putting them on there in the first place? It is a very effective pressure tactic, actually. So as I said, imagine that someone just lost their job. They didn't expect it. They got called into a meeting. They're thinking, holy cow, right, I I just don't have a job anymore. I have these bills coming up. I got to pay my mortgage. Uh, My daughter's going to university. Got to pay for that. How am I going to do it? Well, here comes your employer saying, don't worry, we'll give you some money. All you got to do is accept this by Friday. And by the way, if you don't accept it, we're going to tell you we're not going to pay it to you. Well, a lot of time that vulnerable person is going to sign it not knowing better, not knowing that they're owed double that, triple that. So it's a very effective pressure tactic. And if the company lets go 10 people, offers all of them bad severance offers, but gives them all deadlines, they could probably count on seven or eight of those accepting those. So Damn. those are pretty good odds, John. If it's you know if you know that 70, 80 percent are going to accept a lot less than what you owe them, that's why a lot of companies do that. Now, in fairness, some companies have that deadline. They're not because they're trying to take advantage. Some think that they may actually have made a generous offer, and they think they're supposed to have that deadline. Well, even in those cases, the likelihood is that whatever that company's offered is a lot less than what you're owed. So do the right thing, do the smart thing. You can't sign that offer before getting legal advice, regardless of that deadline. So I've been given a severance offer. It's got that deadline, as you mentioned. Now, I, obviously, I know better. But if I didn't know better and I'm still stuck and worrying about that deadline, the weekend goes by. Maybe, you know, I went out of town. Oops, I forgot to sign it back by the deadline. Now I'm starting to panic. What happens if, if, I, if I forget, if it gets lost in the shuffle? Then it, it gets lost in the shuffle. That, the important thing is not that deadline. The important thing is you get legal advice. And you call and you we, you know, you make an appointment to get advice. Maybe that appointment is tomorrow. Maybe it's a week from now. It doesn't matter. Whenever that appointment is, you go ahead with it. Because if you sign that offer, because of that pressure tactic, and then you realize, wait a second, I made a mistake, then it's too late to do anything about it. So you cannot do that no matter what. Let's get a quick call in before we break. one 399 Corey, thanks so much for standing by for a moment. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good yourself. Beautiful. Thanks for taking the time. What's uh, what's your concern? Well, I got a, a two-part question. Okay. Uh, one is: is the, when you sign the workers' agreement, is that the same as the policy company policy? I think they had to sign those as well. No, those are separate things. Company policies and employment agreements are very different things. Uh, com- uh, company policies, general things that the company does with all employees. Employment agreement, it's your specific terms of employment. Very different things. So they've changed the policies like five times since I've worked there, but I've never actually had to re-sign a new policy. That's fine. Just, you, you, you wouldn't generally be asked to re-sign new policies. It's fine having signed them initially. It's the employment agreement or uh, employment contract that you have to be, be mindful of. If you are asked to sign that, that is always bad news. So I don't know. I don't actually, truthfully, I don't know what I signed when I first got hired on. I've asked to see this paperwork and they just haven't given me a copy of it or anything so i can get well, it to follow up over. with them if you need me to help you follow up with that i'm happy to do so but certainly do not sign anything new without speaking to me first 
Okay, excellent. This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. You bet you still got lots of time. Bring it on. That number is correct. Toll free one eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Email help at employmentlawyer.ca. We're going to get a few of those before we uh, wrap up for the day, I, uh, I believe. But call that number. We got lots of open lines and we'd uh, carry on the discussion with you no problem any questions you have talking about uh, deadlines on severance packages severance offers now you know it's it's a short deadline it's a pressure tactic we know that you can ignore it but you know maybe uh, i haven't a chance to give you a call lior or uh, have a look over it because i've been busy should the employee ask for more time if they've not had a chance to at least obtain legal advice well, a lot of people ask me exactly that question. If, you know, I'm not, okay, I'm not going to sign this by the deadline. I'm going to take the time that I need. But should I tell the company? Should I give them the heads up that I'm not going to sign or, or just ask for more time? So, first of all, no, you don't need to ask for more time. That said, I always believe in, in being courteous and, and being respectful. And there's, you know, nothing wrong with that. So, it's not a bad idea to say to your employer, hey, just a heads up employer. You asked me to get back to you by Friday. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. That's fine. No worries with that. I think that's a good idea. You absolutely do not need to do that, but it's fine to do that. But you don't need to ask permission because that assumes that it's the company's permission to give. No, you don't need to ask for an extension. They don't they don't get to decide how much time you have. You get to decide how much time you have, and you have up to two years. So, yeah, it's okay to do that. You don't need to do that. And oftentimes, uh, we just forgo that. Company gets uh, the deadline. Uh, you know, they, we ignore it. I get involved. I contact the company and say, no, you, you've offered six months severance. He's owed 18 months severance. That's what we want. We negotiate. We get it done. And, and uh, we move on. Again, that number to call into the show, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. Now, say someone, for whatever reason, they didn't catch this show, shame on them, but they signed that severance <laughs> offer because maybe they, they felt pressure by the deadline or their you know their neighbor, Steve, said, no, no, man, I looked over, it's good. It's similar to the one I signed years ago. You're good to go. Just sign it. They do that. Um, can they do something about it now they realize they were wrong? Yeah, and you know, I, I get that exact scenario very often. Weekly, for the last 20 years, I've been getting this at the office. Someone say, well, can I do something about it now? Uh, I just heard your show, and I realized I shouldn't have signed this a few months ago when I signed it. Can you help me out now? No. Unfortunately, I cannot. No one can. Once you've signed and accepted what the company's offered, there's a deal in place. There's a, it's a contract, really, right? And you can't just decide that you don't like it, you don't want it. Even if you realize oh my God, this was a terrible deal. They took advantage of my stress. And, and because of that, I accepted uh, six months severance when it should have been 18 months severance. Even then, again, you can't go back and can't undo it. You only have one chance to do this right, to do this properly. That's why I'm here telling you, don't worry about that deadline. Okay, ignore it. Make sure you get the advice that you need so that you get that proper severance uh, in almost every situation, 90%, 90 Okay, whatever that that paper says is a lot less than what you're owed. But if you sign it, we're we're not able to do anything about it. Not that it happens very often, but say someone's in you know they're at that meeting, they get uh, they go over the severance package details, and the and the boss or HR says, yeah, you kind of got to sign this before you walk out the door. That's pressure. I mean, does can they do something about it in that rare occurrence? 
Yeah, so in, in that very rare, and I've seen it maybe two or three times in you know 20 years of doing this, that right. company says, you better sign this right now while we're all here in the room, uh, and, and that's it. And the employee says, oh, my God, I'm going to sign this now. If that's what your employer makes you do, then, yeah, that's enough pressure there potentially that we can get out of it. But that's rare. In most cases, they'll say, yeah, take it home, come back to us in a day or two or five. Uh, and at that point, even if you don't get legal advice and because you didn't think you could or you should and you sign, you're not able to get out of it. So please do the right thing. By the way, on the other extreme of this, which is interesting, there's right. some good employers out there, uh, not as many as there should be, but there's some that not only give you some time to, to, to get legal advice, they say, here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to pay you $500 towards a, a lawyer's fee to get legal advice. So we're going to pay for your lawyer to review this because we want you to sleep well at night. We want you to get advice. We, we want you to know that, that we're not trying to take advantage of you. So there's actually employers that do that. Not common, unfortunately, but I have seen that happen. And usually, if an employer encourages you like that to get legal advice, that may mean that the offer is good, but you still have to get that advice to be sure. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. I, I and I was just about to ask that if they're offering not only if they're not only suggesting you get that advice, but willing to pay for it, that means they've probably had some advice themselves, and their 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 offer is where it should be, and they just want you off the books. No, that's right. They, they and you know some employers you know actually want to be good. Like you know, we know that this is a very tough thing for the employee. We don't want them to lose sleep at night, not knowing if the offer is good or not. So we're gonna not just encourage them to seek a lawyer. We're gonna say we got this. We'll cover the lawyer. Mm -hmm. Just get some advice so you can sleep well at night. Now I, I've seen this maybe half a dozen times and thousands of of, of you know severance sure. packages that I've reviewed, but it's it, it happens. Yeah, let's uh, well, let's run through a scenario then. You lost your job. You got this piece of paper or papers explaining your severance offer, all the details, the deadlines at the bottom, as we mentioned, to sign it back whenever you got some time in you know, five days or a week, whatever. You're shocked. Palms are getting sweaty. Now you're starting to stress out. What are the steps you go through starting at number one? Well, first of all, number one is uh, just take a deep breath, okay? Don't make any decisions. No one should make any decisions. Uh, especially important financial decisions in, in kind of that, that weekend state. You know, take a deep breath, go talk to your family, kind of digest what happened. Uh, and then number two is grab your smartphone, okay? Grab your tablet, your desktop, whatever you prefer, and use the severance calculator. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca mm -hmm. and use the severance calculator and get that initial assessment if what they've offered you is good. They've offered me four months severance. Well, let me go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, use that severance calculator, answer three questions. Oh, wait a second. Now you see, wait a second. It should have been 12 months. Now you know there's an issue. There's a, even a green button there. You can press to contact me directly if you want to from there. And then you make it the time to get that advice and that you understand what you've been offered, you understand what you're owed, and you understand what will happen if you do sign this. So take the time to do that. Get your head on kind of straight and calm down. But that that tool, that's why we created the severance calculator all those years ago, is because I understand that not everyone is dying to call a lawyer. I understand that not everyone thinks that they should. Well, that's why I brought kind of the law into your hands. Anyone can find out what they wrote. Anyone can find out what the company has to pay them if they lose their job. Just go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Severance calculator is there, first thing you see. Use it even if you haven't lost your job. Even if you're just curious or maybe you're worried that you're yeah. going to lose your job, 
Use it right now, and you'll see exactly what you're owed. Now, the thing is, though, the, the advice always is, okay, fine, you've gone through pocketemploymentlawyer.ca severance calculator. It's beautiful. It's a great tool. It'll give you a number, a good landing point where you should be. But, I mean, as far as just screenshotting that, going back to your employer saying, hey, look at this. Here's what you owe me. You still kind of need to get you involved to, to give them that kick in the pants, as you'd like to say, right? Yeah, because what you're trying to do, okay, is you want your employer, after they hear from you, to go to their own lawyer mm, so they can right. find out, wait a second, I understand this person is saying that they're owed 12 months. Is that right? They're not going to do that if you show them a screenshot. They're just not. To do that, they need to hear from me. Once they hear from me, the first thing your employer does is goes to check with their lawyer, and their lawyer says, yeah, yeah, you know, he's right. It's not four months you owe him, it's 12 months, so we need to, to pay what we owe. So it's not going to be very effective for you to say to your employer, hey, go to the, the pocket employment lawyer. <laughs> you need to show that you you, you kind of take, took that next step, that you kind of mean business, that you're not just aware of your legal rights, that you're willing and able to enforce those rights. That is correct. You still have time. Use that number, one 399 Don't be bashful. Bring your questions on air. We'd love to talk to you. Email number one from Sean. And I think Sean's boss is now in the running for boss of the year for sure after this email. He says, I've had to miss work on several occasions because of a medical issue that I'm dealing with. My boss told me that if I miss more work, I shouldn't bother coming back. Can he do that? Well, you know, Sean's boss may not be the boss of the year, but unfortunately, it's fairly common. I, I get questions like this or variations of it very, very often, every single week, multiple times, actually. So let's be clear here. No, it's not up to Sean's boss to decide how many times Sean's going to be sick or, or how many days he can take off. The reality is you can't be punished for being sick. You can be punished for doing something on purpose that you're not supposed to do. Well, by getting sick, what are you doing that you're not supposed to? Uh, maybe you're not having enough vitamin C. I don't know. But the reality is that, no, you cannot be punished in that situation. So you can be off as long as you need to. Frankly, all you need to is a doctor's note. Whether that ends up being that you're off uh, three days 20 times or you're off for 100 days once, doesn't matter. You can be off as long as you need to, and your boss cannot do that. What you need is a doctor's note. It's very different if you say to your boss, I'm just not going to come in. Your boss can demand a doctor's note, and if you don't provide it, there could be problems then. But if you have a doctor's note, even if it's a very lengthy absence, maybe it's indefinite. You don't even know how long you're going to be off work. Sean, you can be off work, but get that doctor's note. Any problems, if your employer tries to do anything to you in that situation, you give me a call. Well, I think sometimes, as we mentioned before, the uh, the confusion arises where Sean will say, yeah, but Leo, I only have 10 sick days, so I can't stay off. Yeah, and an employee may say, well, you know, I've, I've already used up my 10 sick days, so the next time I'm sick, the company's going to let me go because I've used up my sick days. Well, no, not at all, not even close. Sick days refers to how many days you're going to get paid by your employer, even though you're sick and not working. So you may only have, let's say, 10 sick days. That means they'll pay you for 10 days. But starting on the 11th day, you're not going to get paid, but you can still be off. 11 days or 12 days or 112 days, absolutely. You may not get paid by your employer for those extra days. You may have to apply for EI or other benefits, disability benefits through your insurance plan if you have those. But you absolutely can still be off, again, so long as you have that doctor's note. 
Sean, hope that answered the uh, question, pal. If not, you can always reach out by phone, one 821 5900 right? We'll get to, uh, to Nancy. says, hey, Lior, my boss is always very rude and demeaning. He yells at me regularly and puts me down in front of the other employees. I've talked to HR several times about this, and they keep saying that they'll speak to him. So far, nothing's changed. I'm very stressed. I'm losing sleep. How do I make this harassment stop? Well, I got another boss of the year candidate, I think we yeah, got right. here, right? Totally. Uh, Totally. Well, here's, you know, what, what happens here. Obviously, it's completely inappropriate and unacceptable for Nancy, for anyone, to be subject to this harassment, to this bullying in the workplace, you know, to be spoken down to, to be, you know, put down, use profanities, what have you. Can't happen. But it's the company's job to, to get rid of those people or to at least fix that problem. She did the right thing. She spoke to HR. Uh, and once she did, HR's obligation was immediately to take it seriously, to act immediately. Not, yeah, yeah, we'll get back to, we'll get to it. You know, we have a, a list of things. This automatically goes to the top of the list. It's number one, okay? You don't do anything until you deal with that as an employer. And if they didn't do that, and because of that, Nancy is still subject to harassment, well, now that's a constructive dismissal. Now she can treat her employer creating this poison work environment as a, as a termination. She can get severance. Depending on the circumstances of the harassment, that could also be a human rights violation that she's facing. Right. There could be damages and compensation owed as a result of that. And it's because, number one, she's being harassed. But more importantly, or as importantly, the fact that the company, through HR, they dropped the ball. They didn't do anything about it. They should have investigated. They should have rectified the issue. They should have taken it seriously. Not, yeah, 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 we'll get back to it. Hang in there. That's not acceptable. And if your employer does that to you, if they don't act in those situations, you have to give me a call. Just staying on uh, in a workplace that you're being harassed and bullied is just an invitation for a stress leave, a medical leave. Not a good idea. And if the bullier is the person you're supposed to report to, that's panicky. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if the person you're gonna you're supposed to talk to about the harassment is the one harassing you, then there's really not that option to speak to anyone because you know who are you gonna talk to? So that we skip that step and we go straight to talking to me and let me deal with it, and potentially we can pursue constructive dismissal right away. But what I don't want anyone to do, this is important, is I don't want anyone quitting because of harassment before speaking to me first. It's absolutely fine to quit, and and in some situations, no problem, but we need to do this right so that you can get compensated, so you can get severance, so no quitting and then calling me. Call me first. Still that number, 1-877-399-9898. If you're going to call, do it now and get on air and talk to us. Elliot's up next. As guys, I was offered a promotion, which means many more responsibilities, but eh, the pay is only slightly better. I don't really want to take the new position, but I'm afraid of my employer's reaction. If I don't, any advice for me? So, you know, obviously it's not a bad idea to tell your employer or for Elliot to tell his employer in this situation what the concerns are and why he's not too keen on this new position. His employer may be willing to work with him on, uh, you know, maybe some more pay or maybe changing the duties to make sure that it's acceptable. Or they may tell Elliot, you know what, that's fine. Don't worry, just stay in the position. So nothing wrong with talking with your employer. But if ultimately you decide not to take it, your employer is allowed to let you go because of it, right? Keep in mind, an employer can let you go pretty much for any reason as long as they pay you severance. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Elliot employer employer can let him go for refusing a promotion, but that's what we call, we call termination without cause. It means he's owed his full severance. What they can't do is they say, aha, 
you refused a promotion, therefore you've resigned. Nonsense, not yeah. a resignation. They also can't say, you refused a promotion, therefore we have just cause to let you go. Absolutely not. But could they ultimately say, you know what, we just want you now gone, we're going to pay you severance? For sure, but not a bad idea to talk to the employer. Uh, most good employers will be willing to work with you to come up with something that makes sense for everyone. Steve's got an overtime question. Says guys usually work around eh, 50 hours of overtime a month for which I get paid. Well, the company just decided to hire another employee, so from now on, I'm getting nothing, no overtime. Can they even do this? Well, that's a lot of hours uh, yeah, to work time. in a month, and it's a lot of money, right? Obviously, the, that he'd be foregoing. So no, they actually can't do that. So if he can show that he's always worked, or you know, in recent uh, history, he's worked fi those 50 hours a month and got paid for it it's become a term of his employment so by companies now saying you're not gonna you're not gonna do that anymore they're changing the terms of employment essentially they're giving him a pay cut and anytime we think about changes to terms of employment and certainly pay cuts get constructive dismissal so by saying from now on no more overtime for you you're gonna make less money because we're not gonna have you work overtime hours that may result in a constructive dismissal. He may be able to treat his employment as being terminated now and pursue his full severance. And by the way, John, very important to remember is yeah. if he pursues severance now, it's going to be based on his average income, which of course includes the overtime that he's been getting. So that severance is going to account for that. So he may just want to do that and say, no, I'm not accepting this constructive dismissal. I'm going to get my severance and move on. Doreen's email, as she was typing it, I could I could see what was coming down the pike. You will as well. She goes, I worked as a hairdresser full-time for five years. I get paid a fixed weekly salary. That doesn't change. I was let go, and the salon owner said, what? I was an independent contractor. Saw that coming. So I wasn't entitled to severance. Is that owner right? Yeah, you know, with hairdressers uh, I, I, or, you know, barbers, I see that often. The company or the, the employer says, well, you're really just renting the chair. Right. So yes. you're not really our employee. And and yep. that's kind of the term that they use. Well, no, guess what? That's not what it is. Uh, if you work at several places, and including at this one place where you kind of rent a chair, and then, you know, you kind of decide when to work and when not to work, then, yeah, you may well be an independent contractor. Uh, but on the other hand, if you work full-time hours for them, uh, you know, they uh, are responsible for, you know, to make sure that you get paid, clients come through them then you're not renting the chair you are an employee you have a job and that's important because it means you're owed number one minimum wage and vacation pay and overtime pay but it also means you're owed severance in the situation this Doreen was let go she's owed severance and that severance could be as much as 24 months pay and I've seen this very often now John we've mentioned pocketemploymentlawyer.ca before one of the tools that you can find there is a tool that allows you to get an assessment as to whether you're an employee or an independent contractor. So check it out. Hairdresser, truck drivers will see this very often with. Make sure that you know what you really are. And that'll just about wrap it up for this afternoon. Appreciate all your emails, guys, and Corey for that phone call as well. You want to reach out now that we're done, have more of a, a private conversation on your own with Lior's team. You're always invited, in fact, encouraged to do so. The number one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as Lior just mentioned, again, use it. It's free. It's anonymous. Built just for you to get smarter. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll see you next time on the Employment Law Show.